Hey, this is your host Shane with another exciting episode of Radical Rocks. We're going to talk about metamorphic rocks. We're going to talk about Valentine's gemstones, a giant penguin the size of a linebacker, Villa Umite, Have a Ridge Jasper, and so much more. I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert... That's right. Radical rocks are everywhere. And today we're going to talk about a lot of them. Um, we're going to talk about Have a Ridge Jasper. We're going to talk about a giant penguin about the size of a linebacker like we saw in the last football game. We're going to talk about some Valentine's gemstones. How about if you uh, went to a thrift store and you bought a trinket? and found out that uh, it was extremely valuable. We've got a story about that and so much more, guys. So let's get started. Um, Before we do, I want to thank everybody for liking and subscribing. I want to encourage you to uh, share the podcast. We're getting close to our 200th episode. Uh, Podcast has been downloaded in almost 80 different countries at this point. So... uh, Not a lot of people in some of these countries, but just really uh, a lot of distribution. So we appreciate all the shares and things like that. Also, um, our videos at YouTube, check them out. Just go to Radical Rocks or Radical Rocks USA. You can look us up on all sorts of uh, social media, Facebook, MeWe. Um, We even have an Etsy site and uh, an eBay site. So check those out if you're interested. Thank you. Let's get started. All right. Well, what should we start with first? How about a Mars story? You know, I always have more stories than what I I tease you with. So, um, Mars. Mars rover finds rippled rocks caused by waves, says NASA. You go to France, the number 24.com. They tell you about it. They've got a picture of it. It kind of looks like my yard. Um where I drive on my dirt road and it gets all muddy and then the mud dries out and gets all clumpy. That's what it looks like. But they say these are waves caused by, or ripples rather, caused by the waves of a shallow lake many, many years ago. And um, to me, it looks like tire tracks, misdirected tire tracks. It doesn't look like the shore of a lake, but uh, they are saying that's what it is. And... um, They have been examining Mars with the rover since 2012. Um, This is the Curiosity rover. They sent a second one in 2012, um, and it has uh, been looking for uh, organisms, little tiny organisms, signs of life. And they're multitasking to take over 30-something rocks and soil samples. They will put these in sealed tubes and send them back to Earth sometime in 2030s for lab analysis when we will all be plagued with a virus that will uh, mutate us, kill us, and turn us into zombies. Hopefully not. Hopefully nothing happens. I'm sure 
I'm sure it's completely safe bringing stuff back from Mars. So that's what they're going to do. It's always fun and interesting. Sorry, I have a sick sense of humor. All right, next, Mississippi. We talked about Mississippi uh, Opal a few weeks ago. We talked about them proposing to create Opal as their state symbol. If you go to WFIN.com, they said the House is pushed it and passed it. Both bills passed Monday. Um, They're going to move on to the Senate, but it looks like it's a done deal. They have uh, passed Blueberry as their state symbol and Opal as their state gemstone. Mississippi in the United States is not known for gemstones. Uh, There is some fossils and things like that, but this Opal is in a... um, uh, a sedimentary like sandstone and it's quite beautiful so check that out if you get a chance congratulations to Mississippi for being able to have a beautiful gemstone as their uh, state gemstone all right we all uh, some people watch the Super Bowl um, if you rooted for the underdogs then you're real happy the Chiefs won if uh, if not then uh, yeah it was a good game so it was a good game Anyway, what does that have to do with this? With the next story? Not much, but uh, I thought a penguin that weighs 350, 340 pounds, man, that's as big as a linebacker. This penguin, uh, they found the fossil in New Zealand. It was at the beach and is uh, one of the species of penguins that happens to be the largest ever discovered. This penguin was a monster, probably the size of a human, most penguins now really don't go over about 100 pounds. Um, a ostrich is the biggest bird now. These penguins may not be as tall as an ostrich, but they might be. But they were heavier than an ostrich, which uh, you know doesn't quite weigh 350 pounds. So this was a monster of a penguin. Uh, brand new species. They found a few of the bones from the shoulders and uh, other areas. And they've matched these up pretty much perfectly with the penguin. So pretty neat. Check that out if you want at lifescience.com. And uh, there's even a little video there. Harry Baker's attributed with this article. Next, let's talk about metamorphic rocks. Let me make sure I have my recorder working because a minute ago I did not have it. Okay, it looks like it's going good. Metamorphic rocks, five ways to identify them. If you want to check out this uh, article in more detail, go to a-z-animals.com and we will find out five ways to identify these metamorphic rocks. And um, Rita Pike is attributed with this. Now, originally, uh, any rock that's classified as a metamorphic started out as a different kind of rock. Metamorphic is like a caterpillar that metamorphoses into a beautiful butterfly. All right? So these original rocks, whether they be sedimentary, igneous, or even another type of metamorphic rock, was undergoing certain things that caused it to change or to metamorphose, to uh, go through a process of metamorphism. Metamorphism. In rocks. What is that? It is created by extreme heat or extreme pressure, super hot mineral rich fluids, and in most cases, a combination of these things. 
and factors that cause it to change rocks. So, it creates this rock into a denser type of more compact rock. So, metamorphous rocks um, can be forced into a new type of mineral by the process of compression uh, that happens, or the heat, or the combination of these and other things. So the types of metamorphism that you can find um, geologically speaking is a regional metamorphism. This is when you see a mountain range with a layer of metamorphic or areas of metamorphic rocks. This can happen in subduction zones. Um, these are cracks and crevices and uh, strike areas where these two plates converge and compress and cause this to happen. Now that also uh, sounds, uh, and, and most of this type of foliated metamorphic rock will include things like slate, um, phthalate, shishk, and guinness. Those are formed like that. Contact metamorphism, um, usually we see banding in this type on like hornfells and types of rock like that. And that is heat that causes that by nearby magma with solid rock and igneous intrusions also can create this contact metamorphism because igneous rocks come up with a lot of heat, with hot magma, with extreme temperatures, and cause these metamorphic uh, changes. Now, a lot of times when the igneous rocks are intrusive or there's a contact zone, you're going to have crystallization uh, that occurs because of this. This can be referred to as high temperature, low pressure metamorphism, and hornfelds are commonly, again, that type. Now, burial metamorphism. This is another type. This occurs just with lots of uh, weight and pressure that is pushing down on uh, a lot of times sediments and other things and cause the rocks to change by the pressure. Subduction zone metamorphism is even deeper. This goes way down into the Earth's uh, deeper where the uh, layers are more flexible because the Earth actually gets flexible and even liquid inside. It is a uh, thermonuclear reaction that is basically taking place in the core of our Earth. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Um, they just think it's hell and the devil's flying around flapping his wings. But there's actually uh, a nuclear uh, type of action that's happening in there to compare it to something that you could relate to, like the sun, basically. Um, very interesting. Subduction takes the rocks uh, in this area. It's above that magma uh, where the tectonic plates are hitting. And this is known as a high pressure, low temperature metamorphism as well. Even though it can still be several hundreds of degrees, it's not, uh, you know, thousands of degrees. So some of the characteristics of metamorphic rocks, um, it, it comes from the name, right? So it's a Greek word. And it means two things, um, meta, which means change, and morph, which means form. So change of form. Words have meanings. So that's what it means. And, of course, there is a change that takes place that causes a change of form. Metamorphic rocks are crystalline and often have foliated or banded textures um, that look kind of uh, squished. Think of slate. It has fine-grained interlocking crystals. Um, schist is the evidence of crystal formation, and this is one of the shiny type of, uh, of uh, metamorphic rocks. You'll see flakes of mica, 
whether they be visible or whether you have to look at them with a magnifying glass. And these will be all interlined in there. And the crystals are usually lined up in the rock. Um, so it can make it look wrinkly. Um, I have a video where we went up to um, Wrightwood and we found several metamorphic rocks, schists and gin and, uh, and, uh, and such, where you could see that happening, mica schist. So basically it could, see, it could be said, rather, that metamorphic rocks have five characteristics depending on how they're formed. Shimmer and shine, reflective dots, which is these tiny little mineral flakes, bands, colors, and shades uh, is another one, and then organized patterns and grain-like appearance. Okay? One way to identify a metamorphic rock is to look for the shimmer and shine. Um, not all metamorphic rocks will have a shimmer and shine, um, but if you hold the rock up to the light, you should be able to see that. It doesn't mean that it's not something else, but uh, look for that. Look for mica. That is a good indication. Um, also, there was one other thing that I think you could do. Um, it just says, like, mica sparkles a glimmer and light, so I guess I covered that. Now look for stripes and bands of colors or shades, um, like ribbons or veins in the rock. And this could likely be a metamorphic rock. Um, they're different than sedimentary rocks because the crystal uh, structures are going to be more finer. There's a different texture to metamorphic rocks. They feel more like a rock than, um, than you know, uh, one rock rather than several rocks squished together, which your sedimentary rocks often tend to do. Not always with your marbles and things like that. They can be very smooth because that... Uh, is much finer powder material from your limestones. Most metamorphic rocks do have a grainy appearance, uh, uh, except for slate, which are, and others that are rare metamorphic rocks. I think slate is kind of grainy, but on the one flat side, it can be very smooth. Uh, the patterns and grains are a strong indicator that you're probably dealing with a metamorphic rock. All right, so, any kind of rock can become a metamorphic rock if it undergoes these changes through pressure, temperature, and potentially uh, some hydration of some type. The most common types of metamorphic rocks um, that we find and become familiar with in, in uh, architecture, home improvement structures, and things like that is marble slate, um, pyolite, uh, Guinness, schist, quartzite, um, there could be huge areas of quartzite. You've heard of quartzite, Arizona. There's other in, in the United States. Uh, you can definitely see the crystalline structures. It's not like a solid quartz. So that lets you know that it is a metamorphic type of quartz that broke down and was reconstructed through metamorphism. Um, Shakarn, Hornfelds, um, Argolite, and Novacolite. So those are... Those are some examples of the most common. Different types of metamorphic rocks. Um, we have the foliated and non-foliated. So foliated has the bands. Those are the ones with the bands created by the pressure and in the faults and things like that. Um, they usually have sheet-like structure to them. So if you take a chisel to them, they'll break at one angle into very long pieces. Um, non-foliated metamorphic rocks don't have that type of structure because of heats and fluids which change the rock without flattening it so much and of course you can see these uh, 
sometimes in uh, garnets and things like that. So they have a nice picture of uh, some Hornfelds here and so on and so forth. But you can go check out this article and do more research if you want. There's the basics on metamorphic rocks. So let's move on to the next topic. Okay, you're going to the thrift store. You're going to go buy an old Eagles album. Um, you're looking for uh, something that you don't need and uh, that you've got to have. Or, uh, you know, maybe you're just in, uh, you're trying to save some money for clothes for your kids or something, right? So you go in there and you see this trinket and you buy a few of these trinkets and you give them to your kid. And your kid plays with them, throws them in the toy box. Well, a little bit later, this woman, a British woman in the UK, our friends in uh, across the pond there in England, she did just that. She bought uh, some costume jewelry for like $30 and... Um, she ended up, like I say, giving it to her daughter, who played with it in her toy box. But uh, one day she decided, oh boy, you know, I need to get my jewelry appraised. Well, little, little to her, uh, knowing it, her daughters put the brooch in her jewelry box. So it was appraised, and this was shown to be early 19th century jewelry that, that was likely part of a tiara or necklace worn by Russian royalty. The actual stone in the center of the brooch, which was diamonds around it, was imperial topaz, which is a very, very rare, semi-precious gemstone. But because imperial topaz is very durable, very, very bright, a rich, rich blue color. The picture, the article says orange, but the picture is blue, um, almost purple. Um, it is highly valued gemstone. It sold for uh, $43,000 and uh, has been associated with the Russian czars and their families known for this wearing this jewelry. And, of course, this jewelry style indicated that this would be something that such type royalty would have owned, and it is highly sought after by collectors. It was sold at auction for $43,000. So that... That is a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good day right there. All right. Um, gee, I got this weird article about... Oh, I remember. Blue sand is only found on a few ble uh, beaches globally. Could you imagine going to the beach and finding blue sand? Now, I know we've talked about black. We've talked about red. We've talked about green. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about blue. At ifscience.com... Um, Rachel Funnel tells us that this bizarre sand is only found on a few beaches in the world. And they have a picture of this uh, gemstone here that looks kind of like uh, sodalite. We'll find out what it is here. It says blue is very rare in nature. And um, it is this particular blue rock is sodalite. Sodalite. So... Um, Sodalite is kind of soft. It is made from aluminum, silica, and oxygen, and uh, chlorine. It can be uniform color with stripes. It has white blended with it. Uh, it is very pretty. It looks like a stormy seascape when uh, set as a stone. So some of the areas that uh, this can be found, of course, the U.S., Canada, Russia, Greenland, but no one has more than Nambia. Now, I can attest to that. Um, you can buy beautiful blue sodalite uh, counters and slabs for art and decoration and for 
architectural highlights. Not the hardest stone in the world, uh, kind of soft, so I wouldn't recommend using it as a countertop. But uh, I looked at getting pieces to use for some art I wanted, uh, I was inspired to do, and it's quite expensive to buy large sheets of this, but uh, smaller pieces can be very affordable for cabochons and working with general lapidary. Nambia, though, uh, has erosion with sodalite occurring among natural samples, and um, it says that uh, it is at the beach, but not enough to make an entire beach of blue, but the beautiful Alaskan sands contain some bluish specimens as a result of uh, other blue minerals of uh, iron potassium mineral and iron oxide that gives kind of a greenish orange but uh, and then it also says that uh, there is a beach in California that is smoothed out shards of glass and pottery that have uh, lined the entire seashore and uh, give it a unique uh, look to it. Now I've also heard of garnets in Australia and things like that um, but apparently there's beaches along the rivers, so it's not like an ocean beach, but along these rivers um, there is some blue uh, colors from the deposits that have shown here. Uh, and also on the seafloor you can see it as well sometimes, so pretty interesting. Next, the world's largest uncut sapphire is coming to Dubai. This sapphire is a mind-bending 451 thousand carats. Um, you can find out about this at the nation, the, excuse me, the nationalnews.com and uh, they've got a picture of it here and they tell us that it was found in Madagascar in 19, or excuse me, 2019 and the original piece was uh, carved out and they removed some of the, the overburden I guess and have uh, revealed that this is genuinely a beautiful gemstone of enormous size. It won the Guinness Book of World Record for being the largest one. It weighs over 90 kilograms, certified as the largest carved sapphire in the world. And so I guess they're carving it. it it's looking kind of rough right now, but uh, the original stone was 140 kilograms and covered in about 20 to 30 kilograms of hardened crust that was removed. It is the second hardest mineral after diamonds and um, they're hoping that uh, the sale of this, if they sell it, that it would lead to uh, helping the country there. So hopefully that does work out. Alright, Valentine's Day is coming up. Recently we've talked a lot about rubies. We've talked about red um, emeralds which are found in Utah, the United States of America. By the way, thank you for all the subscribers outside of the USA, appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Um, but some other minerals for Valentine's Day besides those, and red diamonds, which we've talked about. It's been a while since we've talked about red diamonds, but rose quartz is a favorite. It's affordable, and you can also get different uh, quantities, qualities, varieties, and uh, rareness is also incorporated into that. So there's two basic kinds of what we used to call rose quartz. We now call another one pink quartz. is becoming an accepted term. You can look this up on uh, geology.com. If you look up rose quartz, you're going to find out that the pink variety of this mineral is kind of 
coming to its own. Let's talk about the differences. So uh, quartz is very hard, a very hard mineral. Uh, rose quartz and pink quartz in particular is often found around pegmatites and other uh, uh, igneous inclusions or uh, igneous veins. So rose quartz is masses of quartz that you will find. Very pretty. Um, it has been popular for a long time, used in jewelry and gemstones. And then rarely um, is it pink and in crystals, where these crystals are much smaller than the mass uh, pieces. They're typically found in pegmatite pockets, often with smoky quartz. Uh, most of these crystals are not over a half inch in size. Excuse me while I get a swig of coffee. But the color is stunning. All right. So when it is in the pegmatite um, and it is producing these smaller um, crystals, it is believed that irradiation is inducing these color to be this brighter or more pink color instead of a rose type color. So instead of a rose quartz, typically these little crystals, which are very collectible and rare, are called pink quartz. Now, pink quartz, uh, to find it, it clear without inclusions and things like that is rare. The same thing with rose quartz, the massive quartz, right? To find it to be very clear is very, very rare. A facetious specimen of rose quartz that is completely clear and clean without inclusions can be very sought after and collectible and would be something to have in your collection. Now, I did a video on massive quartz. Uh, collected some in the East County Mountains of San Diego, California. Go to a YouTube channel and look that up. It's one of the earlier videos. It's a few years old, but you can see how we actually did locate some. It is not in a pegmatite mine. Um, it is in what was probably once was a, a gold uh, a prospect. Probably not really much gold there, but I think that's what it probably originally was. Okay? And you can find out how you can, you know, use uh, your skills to hopefully locate some. We'll talk about some areas. Let's talk a little bit about the stone itself. It's a silicate. It's a quartz. Uh, ranges from pale pink to vivid pink. Can be orangish sometimes. Um, and also the streak is going to be colorless. It is usually harder than the streak plate. And um, it, it's going to break with a conchoidal fracture and it is about seven on the hardness scale. So this is most of its physical properties that you would be interested in. Great for jewelry, very durable for daily work, daily wear that is. Um, now, it can have inclusions. These inclusions can be a um, uh, couple different minerals. Uh, dolomite is one and um, the other is uh, rutil rudal spheres. These can cause a six-sided or a six-star, uh, basically like a, a ray star. They call it a six-ray star. It's very beautiful if you get it. I did do a video last week or the week before on how to grind those. That is tricky. If you want to have a well-centered star, uh, my suggestion is go buy a sphere of, of uh rose quartz or pink quartz with a sphere already on it and then you'll know where the center is because it's really really hard to find and you can 
you can damage material trying to find it and not have it centered very well. So that's my best advice on that if you're a beginner. All right. So here we are. We have this six ray star due to these inclusions that are set up in just the right way to get it, and it is quite beautiful. They call they would call that a star uh, rose quartz or a star pink quartz. Okay. Quartz is very popular to have carved in heart shapes, um, and uh, the pink variety is much rarer. You can tumble it, you can do all kinds of things. Um, again, some of these pieces that are super, super pink, we're going to talk about a couple of them. Uh, there is synthetic quartz. You're not going to really find this for sale because it's too expensive to make it, um, but uh it can be produced in a laboratory, so that's not really a big critical thing. Most of it's mined from Brazil, South America, India, Madagascar, Nambia, Mozambique, Sri Lanka, United States, and then South Dakota used to get quite a bit of rose quartz in bulk. Uh, don't see too much coming out of there anymore, but that's where it was. So the La Madonna Rosa and the Van Allen Belt. Uh, there's a video here at geology.com if you look up rose quartz. You can see the video on this rose quartz, um, and it is a spectacular specimen that uh, is very rare, well-formed crystals uh, with uh, all around this cavity that's in the center is beautiful uh, smoky topaz, which I was telling you about, or smoky quartz. And it's called the La, the La Madonna Rose. It's sold for over half a million dollars in 2013 by Heritage Auctions, which there's a video for that too. It was discovered at uh, Minas Gerias, Brazil in the 1950s. And again, the center is smoky quartz crystals surrounded by a halo of beautiful, vivid pink, crystallized pink quartz, 39 centimeters tall and about 20 centimeters late, uh, wide rather. And the Van Allen belt is another famous court specimen that's from the same area that you can check out as well. It is located, the specimen is on display at uh, the Annaberg Hooker Hall of Geology, Gems, and Minerals, the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. So it also, pink quartz, or rose quartz, excuse me, rose quartz won color of the year by Pantone, which is a color company. Uh, it's a big deal when they pick a color. They often use a gemstone color. It was named Color of the Year Rose Quartz for 2016. So this affects uh, many designers, artists, and other um, such uh, artistic people when, uh, when the, these colors are called out by this organization. All right, so there's our first Valentine's gemstone. Also, one other thing I want to add is if you have quartz, pink quartz, Remember, the sun will fade it out. So don't set it on the windowsill and, uh, you know, treasure. And if it's pink quartz, keep it out of direct sunlight um, unless you're just, uh, you know, wanting to see it fade over time. So Morganite, that's our next wonderful pink gemstone, sometimes called the pink emerald. It is a burl. Burl is the family of emerald. If you go to geology.com and look up burl, uh, they will show you all the different types of burl. Um, Morganite is one of them. This was discovered by a man who uh, had the last name of Morganite. And uh, um, 
was given the name of that, and it, it varies from pink to actually purple. Uh, it's often found in it's almost always found in pegmatite. Uh, I actually have a video where I went to the uh, Ocean View Mine in San Diego, California, in the United States, and uh, at a pay to dig site, and I think I got a little speck of morganite out of all the things I found was tourmaline, aquamarine, um, you know, smoky quartz all sorts of other beautiful tourmalines and things like that. Uh, it is found there. And also kunzite. But I was lucky enough to find a little tiny piece of morganite. Very, very tiny. So it can range all the way, again, from pink to yellowish orange, pink, lilac, rose, salmon, and peach. But uh, the most desired specimens are pink. Uh, magnanese is what causes the color in most morganite. Um, also, uh, lithium can give it a purple color when it's in a high lithium area. Morganite is commonly seen in, in jewelry stores, but it's getting harder to find. Uh, it often is heat treated. This brings out uh, the pink, it removes the traces of yellow, and uh, converts orange and yellowish stones to this more desirable pink by irradiation to deepen its color. Um, it has become quite popular. It was not popular 10, 20 years ago, or maybe 15, 20 years ago, uh, but because it wasn't very well found. Um, it was mostly here in the U.S., but in 2010, discoveries of morganite in Brazil uh, and improved methods of heat treatment causes a lot more mineral to get out into the, uh, into the, uh, the market. So Morganite is another beautiful Valentine's gemstone if that is your bag. All right, let's uh, digress a little bit. I don't have any gold mining stories, so I thought we'd do a metal detector story. Can metal detectors detect rocks? All right, well, Rock and Jim tells us uh, about that, and uh, I used to do a lot of metal detecting back in the day, and when you're metal detecting, and I will admit this article is mostly concentrating on uh, gold nuggets and, and uh, silver. It's, it, the story came in from Bob Jones, an uh, awesome mineral collector and uh, contributor to Rock and Jim. But the fact is, is when you're metal detecting, you're out there, and a lot of people think of metal detecting as looking for rings and coins and bottle caps and nails, right? But uh, in reality, there are nugget shooters that uh, most of my audience is probably aware of uh, people going out metal detecting, also called thinking, because um, it always goes think <laughs> when, you, when you get something across your coil that is going to uh, set off a signal. But when you're out in the desert, a lot of times what happens is you find what is called hot rocks. And uh, this article doesn't really talk about that, but hot rocks are highly mineralized rocks. They're usually always black. Um, you look at them and you're out there and you break a few and then you start to just kind of take them for granted, which is probably unwise in reality, in hindsight, um, because you could be finding a meteorite, um, you could be finding something um, black, you know, silver, if it's out there for a long, long time and you're in a silver area, it just looks like black dirt, volcanic garbage rock, right? It's real heavy and it's going to make your metal detector go off. Um, I did a video on YouTube where I think I, I think it was Rock Bucket Rocks or Identifying Rocks, one of our earliest videos, and I pulled out a piece of onyx. 
uh, silver lace onyx with cinnabar, and it had a big black chunk on it. And you put a metal detector on it, it's going to go off. And what it was, it's actually a chunk of silver. So some of these rocks could have rare minerals. I mean, there's platinum out there, there's silver, there's gold, you know, it, it could be a nickel meteorite or an iron meteorite. Um, you could have other minerals in that rock. And uh, so definitely you can use a metal detector to detect rocks. But they concentrate on finding silver and gold and uh, talk about some wonderful discoveries that have been made. So keep that in mind if you have a metal detector. All right. Um, I think this is going to be our last article. This rare stone, which has been cut as a gemstone, it is called Villa Aumite, and it's spelled V-I-L-L-I-A-U-M-I-T-E. Villa Villi Aumite. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but I'm doing my best. It's a very interesting stone. It is a red. Uh, has been faceted to a red gemstone in rare, rare cases. It is very rare. Now, here's what I need to to uh, disclose. This rock is poisonous. If you touch it, it is toxic. Okay? You're going to get sick. I don't know if you're going to die, but you might. You're getting sick and getting toxic uh, minerals in your body is uh, something you don't want to do. So why would anybody do this? Well, because it's rare and because it does come in a crystallized form uh, in rare situations. It is not hard. It's only two on the hardness scale, okay? Uh, two is about a little bit softer than your fingernail. That's how soft it is. And if you know the Mohs hardness scale, you know that there's talc, and then uh, I don't know what's next, but I think fingernail's like three, so it's not very hard, okay? So how do they, how do they polish, how do they facet this material, this, this villi aumite? How do, they, how do they do it? Well, they do it very slowly. They do it with very fine mineral. And guess what else? They can't create any heat because if they create any heat, the color will disappear. It'll become clear and it will vaporize. So you have to do it and you can't put water on it. Water will make it melt. So they do it with alcohol. Um, I did some research on this. Um, I am looking at gymdat.org um, for some basic information on the properties of Villa Humite. And um, they are telling us that the hardness is two. It is brittle. Um, it has a, a bit of a reflective, uh, a refractive uh, index, so it does refract back light. Uh, it is a isotropic optic character, if you're into that part of it. It's red, transparent, um, and, and it has a uh, vitreous luster to it. It does have some fluorescence uh, if given uh, exposure to UV, uh, UV. It may show some red fluorescence. If it's a general uh, type, it's going to be dark red to orange to yellow fluorescent uh, at times. The crystals are also isometric. Uh, and it can be found often in granular masses. Um, Villiomite occurs in um, 
different pegmatites. It's often seen in pegmatites. So uh, there's pictures of it. You can find it in different areas. Let's see if we've got some locations here. I had some locations before. Um, I know I saw one sample from Nambia. Um, let's see here. Okay, Quebec uh, in Canada it is found. In uh, Guinea it is found. And that is about all I'm seeing here. But I know there's some other locations where it was found. I think it's also found in uh, um, Morocco. Not, not Morocco. Um, shoot, I can't remember. But you can find it at different locations. So Anyway, that's our last article for today. If you're looking for a rare mineral specimen, this might be one that you want to, to have if you're into lots of different types of minerals. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.